What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of After the Game, a conversation with my dad, where we discuss all things sports and especially the post-jazz game. My name is Spencer. Hey, and this is the dad, Barry, on a rough night for the Utah Jazz as they lose tonight to the Clippers and go uh, see the series get to two games to one. The good news is we still have a one-game lead, and uh, we can forget about this one pretty quickly and be back at it on Monday. But we have a special guest tonight since this is a conversation with my dad we have our son samuel on the call with us today sam how are you i'm doing good dad thanks for uh, having me on the podcast i'm excited to be on it talk with you guys we are excited to have you so i will ask you first what are your initial thoughts about tonight's game yeah i mean i thought for the first three quarters i mean it was kind of up and down i felt like the jazz played well in some aspects of the game but the Clippers definitely came out and they showed a lot more energy than usual especially Paul George being a little quiet in the first couple of games he really seemed to step it up and then in the fourth quarter you know Donovan Mitchell goes out and I felt like you know the Jazz kind of fell apart a little bit at that part. Yeah uh, definitely the Clippers came out in that old boxing analogy and hit us right in the face. We've said this before in the podcast generally we've been able to react tonight the Clippers were making shots and they were good. This is a good team. They were aggressive. The post-game interview with Paul George was really interesting when he said, we're just going to throw bodies at Mitchell. And tonight, I think he saw all 15 bodies of, uh, of the Clippers uh, when he had the ball. It made some great reads, but just a little too late as Mitchell poured it on uh, in, the, in the second half, but, but not as strong as uh, he'd usually done out of the gate. So Spence, what are your thoughts? Mitchell didn't score at all in the first quarter which, I mean, as a Jazz fan, is, is kind of frustrating. But we do realize that the Jazz are a fourth-quarter team or more of a second-half team. I hate losing. And so it was really annoying watching the Jazz kind of get going a little too late. Mitchell started hitting shots a little too late. That, didn't, that doesn't mean he didn't play well. But it's just hard not seeing the basket go – just a slow start. And if you look at the game – their basketball is usually a game of runs and we did have a little bit of runs, but throughout the whole game, we were down by a margin of about 10 points, which isn't fun. And so we never really brought that gap closer. We never even kind of got it within five for pretty much the whole game. And that isn't good. And it kind of has a moral and kind of a emotional beat down on players when they just can't make progress. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Usas kind of try to climb back and try to get into this game and try to make it a game. And there were moments where you felt like it was going to get there. But the Clippers were on a mission tonight. They knew and they know that when you go down 3-0, it's over. And no team's ever come back from a 3-0 deficit, if I remember right. 3-1's a little bit different. So they knew they had to come out and get a win, and, and uh, they were double-teaming Mitchell from the get-go. The minute he got into the corner, they ran another body at him. He made some great reads. It just shows the maturity of Donovan Mitchell, how he's been able to pass out of the double-team and really find people. But after a while, that wears you down. While I think this will continue in the series, and we're going to see it again in Game 4, I don't think the Clippers can keep up that type of pace. That's just my my personal opinion here. I think they let it all out in the third quarter of last game, got tired. They let it all out in this game. They'll come at it again. I just think their shooting was way too good tonight. I don't know if I see them duplicating that again, albeit they're the best and probably most historic three point percentage shooting team in an NBA season. I just don't know if I can see them sustain this. Uh, You know, they have to win 
four out of five games. They've got one. Let's see if they can uh, win three out of four now, which I think is, is going to be tough. Looking at yeah, the stats. So- oh, go Sam. Oh, I was going to say something to point out um, that was a, a pretty big part of the game is that the Clippers, Ty, Ty Lue decided to go with a smaller lineup to start the game. He put in Batum instead of Zubak, um, which, you know, creates a faster offense for the Clippers and a more shooting oriented offense for the Clippers. And then they proceeded to not play Rajon Rondo or give DeMarcus Cousins any minutes, which I think kind of bothered Gobert um, just because, you know, he was the tallest player on the court by far for the majority of the game, except for when Zubak played his minutes. But the Clippers did change things up to start the game by having Batum start instead of Zubak. Sam's onto something there because Batum put up 17 points. I don't know how often he does that in the season, but he had 17 points and seven rebounds, shooting 66% from the line. And that hurts the Jazz when they kind of don't get that reprieve from a player that's going in that doesn't normally start. They, they almost – they did okay – with Leonard, but obviously George came out and played strong and made a statement tonight. But Sam has a good point. The Tyloo is just throwing out different strategies and seeing which one sticks. And sometimes he hits it right. The Jazz shot okay. Bogdanovich didn't really shoot super great. He shot 20%. And like our podcast always talks about, if you follow the numbers, you'll see where everything lines up. And our numbers were just a little bit off tonight. The, the Clippers hit about 19 or 23s, and we only hit about 16. Yeah, interesting fact, and Sam does bring up a good point. I think Batum, Batum averages 8.3 points a game, and tonight he had 17. So he doubled his average. Uh, he hit four of six from three, and that made a difference. Their spacing was different tonight um, for the Clippers. They they figured it out, right? And they came home. That's what that's what a number four seed in the playoffs is supposed to do is to come home and do what they did. And listen, we all know they're better than a four seed. We're not playing the four seed in the West, in my mind. You're playing either the number one or number two seed when the season began. This is a good team. This is not the Denver Nuggets, which the Suns are dismantling. The Denver Nuggets are missing some key players. This is a Clippers team that is really good. Who's missing Serge Ibaka? This team was built for a championship and we've got to know that as jazz fans and for us to be up 2 one, I'm, I'm not, we should be three Oh, cause we're that good, but I'm not, I'm not disappointed uh, at all about this. You know, the, um, the one thing that's interesting is you can talk all night about Paul George's game. And I do think that he played a really good game, but let's be clear who won this game for them. And that is Kawhi Leonard. The guy had 34 mm-hmm. points, 12 rebounds on 14 to 24 shooting. He was not going to be quiet the whole game. And the minute he found his stride, it was just too much for the jazz. It took him a second to find that I think, cause he wasn't shooting super great at the very beginning, but it, he shot 16% from three. So not really good, but he ended up shooting 58 overall from the field. And I thought that makes it very difficult. I think was, was bogey back on him again. You know, this was a tough one tonight. I think Bogey was trying to get to him, but but when you look at Bogey's, I'm just kind of trying to look. I guess he played 36 minutes. They were really quiet 36 minutes. He was okay, but he didn't have the impact. Uh, they were going and going and going at the paint. It's like Sam said tonight, Rudy did not have an impact. I, I think he had a few plays where you go, there was one time where Reggie Jackson drove and if you're a jazz fan, you know, that's like, what are you thinking? And Rudy got him and there were a couple other shots, but, but Rudy didn't, he didn't 
play a great defensive game. And I'm hoping the Clippers haven't figured him out. They were going at him and Kawhi is so strong that I think Rudy's like, there's not much he can do with Kawhi. And that's why, again, we could talk all night or you can put him on the post game ESPN if you want, but this was Kawhi's game. This was not Paul George, albeit he played a great game. I, he's the, and he might, I might be wrong in the next game or two, but I don't fear Paul George. I don't fear anybody, but if there's somebody that scares me just a touch, it would be Kawhi Leonard because the guy can get anywhere he wants at any point in time, and he really showed that tonight. Yeah, and going back to, uh, to uh, Rudy Gobert really quickly, one thing that I did notice from watching the game is that I don't think he, I don't think he ran back as fast as he usually does. I don't think he was very involved as, as much as he usually is. There's one play where um, he was talking to the ref after he, believed, he thought that he was going to get a foul called, but he didn't get the foul called, and he, he missed the opportunity to block someone's shot. And there was another play where um, Royce O'Neal got on Rudy Gobert for not helping on defense. There were just a couple times where Rudy Gobert just didn't shift over and, and stop the, the rim like he usually does. So that was just an issue. Yeah, it's a good point. Before we kind of wrap up the game, we did see Mitchell go down kind of with that right foot. The replay didn't really show too much. And obviously, we don't really know exactly what went on. Maybe he jumped off it wrong when he was going in for a layup, but it didn't look like he landed on it weird. He just looked a little bit hesitant. Should we be worried? Yeah, yeah. It, it, Spence, if you watch the replay again and again, he, it favors banged it as he was going up. So it wasn't he came down and tweaked it or turned it or twisted. And I believe I'm not a big time athlete who's done this very often, but I think all of us who have kind of been out there playing, even though you don't twist or turn it when you land, if somebody hits you, or you hit it, that's what happened. And so it slammed into Favors' thigh on the way up and, uh, and, and just kind of reverberated the pain. I don't – I don't listen, he was on the floor. He had his arm – we all saw it. He had his arm around Quinn yeah. Snyder, and he was coming back in the game. So, so this is the thing. So, yes, yeah, so the Jazz cleared him to play again. The Jazz made it clear, and they told the reports to tweet it out that he was available to play and finish the game, but he didn't finish the game just because of the scoreboard. And I do think that Mitchell will be fine for this next game. He really wants to play as he made it known in the first series. And if you look at his game recently, he's been shooting a lot more threes. Yes, he has been yeah. driving to the rim, but his three game is, is really there right now. So I think that he can, he can play this next game with his hurt ankle, you know, shooting threes, driving a little bit, but I think he'll be ready to play. I, I, he had the green light for sure this in the third and fourth quarter. I think he took most of the shots and was just throwing them up and, and I guess that's kind of the Jazz game plan is just to shoot shots and, and let them go in. And he had the green light. Um, I don't know if you had any other takes. I was going to jump over to Conley, though. I know Sam had an interesting idea on where Conley's at. Yeah, just, just before we go there, I, th this is going to be the wildest comparison, and I'm not making the comparison. Oh. But when, you, when Mitchell is getting into the paint, um, they threw a lot of bodies at him tonight. I don't know if anybody yeah. noticed that. They, they are coming. The minute he got into the paint and elevated, they were around him. And this is the bad comparison, but when Jordan was in his early years fighting to get to the NBA Finals and running into Detroit, very different style of basketball, very much was let go at that time. But if you watch, there were a lot of bodies that were going at Jordan early on in his career and he just had to get stronger. And when he came back stronger, he became the superstar of superstars. I'm not saying Mitchell will get there. They're different players, but man,
the Clippers made it known tonight that if you're going to get in there, we're going to block your shot. And there's a difference between Jordan who is six, six and the most skilled basketball player to walk the floor and a six, one Mitchell. And so when he gets in there and Zubats played a strong 13 minutes and Morris was in there every time he got in there and Beverly was being the gnat that he was made it very difficult for Donovan to be Donovan. He hit some amazing shots by the by, but it just wasn't enough. And, and they were, they're going to do that. They're going to throw bodies at him. And I think Mitch will be ready. Yeah. I, I don't know if they're trying to get him. It looked like they would come up on him. So he'd be forced to drive or be more inclined to drive. So he wasn't shooting the three. And then there was three bodies that caved on him. The second he got in the paint. And if he can figure out how to move the ball around, it's it's a lot harder than I make it seem, or even just as an athlete, I maybe don't understand. But if he can even dish the ball out, because now he's triple teamed, and or he could just do his athleticism and get get to the hoop another way. They they didn't seem to be calling any fouls though when he did that, which almost gets yeah. frustrating. But he didn't seem like it was bothering him too much. Yeah, and I thought he did get fouled a couple of times, and he made the shot, which would have been a three point play at least once or maybe twice. But you can't really fault the Jets tonight, and I'm not trying to go there with this. But, Spencer, when you talk about Mitchell, and you're right, when he gets in there, can he shift a pass? Can he throw it to somebody else? i got to be very careful here. Bogdanovich was two for ten, hmm. and he was one for five from three. He played 36 minutes. He has to make at least one more three. You can't go one for five against the Clippers. I just don't think you can. He's got to go two for five or three from five. And that changes the complexity so that when Mitchell drives and kicks, he can get there, right? I think the rest of the team was okay around him. Ingles had an incredible night. Without Joe Ingles tonight, yeah. it could have looked a lot worse. Um, and Clarkson did what Clarkson does, which is just shoot a lot, but he has some crucial threes. And we could spend another five minutes on this and I we built this podcast around not slamming the jazz but man Niang mm. did not look good tonight I was gonna say and then I'll let Sam talk about this because he kind of mentioned the Niang part while we were talking back and forth during the game but the, if you look at the stats and you look at the numbers and look at how the game played I don't think the jazz really because sometimes you can say oh like the jazz lost this game but I think it was more the Clippers winning the game the jazz played their game the Clippers just played better yeah, and that's it's hard to understand when when you have players like the Jazz who come out and play really well each night, but it, it's hard to play away and and then so overall, I don't think the Jazz really had too much at fault for this game. It was just Clippers playing at a higher level than even they're used to playing, so that makes it harder for the Jazz to to go about. But Niang did struggle down down the stretch when we needed him most, and I don't know what you had to say about that, Sam. Yeah, I mean, I think that both teams played hard fought games, but I do think that early in the fourth quarter, the Jazz, and to finish the third quarter, the Jazz made a little bit of a run to cut it within single digits, and Niang had those two costly turnovers, and I think at that point, the momentum really did shift to the Clippers, and the Clippers were just able to take control of the game, and we all know that Mitchell twisted his ankle a little bit, and, you know, after, I think after those two turnovers by Niang, the uh, the Jazz morale kind of went down a little bit, and the Clippers just gained control the to finish off the game. Yeah, very, very insightful on that. I, yeah, I feel for Niang that what I, what I've learned about Niang during this season and maybe coming out of last season, I don't ever try to go at him because when I do, he'll make a, a crucial three point shot. So right. I, I'll stay with him. I will say this and we said it, I said it late in the game to our chat. 
it might show a little funkiness and a little panic and I don't want it, but what if you did put Ilya Sova out there? I know, especially for the Oni minutes, you know, why, what is it going to hurt to put Ilya Sova out there for the eight Oni minutes? This, Not this the is the problem. Minutes, but the Oni minutes. This is, I, I think that this is the answer to that question. I just think that since Ursan didn't play at the start of the year and he's had very limited minutes the entire season, mainly in garbage time, I don't, I don't know if Quinn thinks it's the best idea to put him in during a playoff game during those eight minutes. Granted, it, it is only eight minutes, and he may perform better than Oni, but it, it is, it is a, a high-risk, high-reward uh, situation by putting him in during those minutes, just, yeah, just because I, of his lack of playing time. I, I, I hear you, and I agree with you, and we're very process-systematic as a team, which I like, because players well, know when they're going to go in and how they're going to play. However, what are you what are you losing is the question okay. because Oni's not giving you a lot. Oni, if you yeah, and, and watching the game, Oni during those eight minutes, Paul George was on the floor and Oni was assigned to guard him. Um, and so that and so that was the idea of putting him in. I don't think that Quinn really trusts Ursan guarding Paul George. And yeah, you may have you may be able to change the the uh, the, the lineup a little bit to have someone else guard Paul George, but Oni was put in the game to guard Paul George. Yeah. Put it, put it. Yeah. I, it could, I hear you put in, put in Trent Forrest. He's smaller and not as good, but Oni, uh, maybe I'm being the downer on him and I shouldn't, but he has struggled. Uh, he has really struggled in the minutes that he's been given. And my point is you've got some other good players out there that might be able to give you five or six minutes if, if right. you look at Oni over the season and I'd have to pull up the stats and we'd have to see in his minutes played what it means, he generally has the most fouls per minute. Hmm. And that might be in the NBA. I've heard some stats on him. He's foul prone. So my point is, yes, he's long. Yes, he can hit a three from the corner. But man, if he's struggling, like we saw last year in the bubble, why can't Quinn move to somebody else? But uh, just right. for another day. So should we be concerned about the rotation of the Jazz or will Conley be back by next game? I think this is my two cents on it. I think that the whole game plan with the Jazz, I'm not saying that Mike Conley didn't want to play. I'm sure he wanted to play, but I'm sure that the Jazz had the idea of, okay, we're winning without Conley right now. He's a little injured with his hamstring. Let's wait a little bit. If we lose the game, if we're not playing well, let's put him in the next game. I'd be surprised if he wasn't if he isn't going to play next game, that's my thought. And then also, just with the rotations, I think that something that hurts the Jazz in the rotations is just having Niang and Oni on the court at the same time. And I'm, that will be solved, obviously, when Conley gets back into the game, into the series. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know if I have an answer on Conley. I, I, I just don't know. I don't know why. I don't, I don't know why you would wait until you lose and then put him in. If he's ready to play, he's ready to play. I... I, I I don't know. Maybe so, we'll, we'll see him next game. I it, you kind of roll the dice to put him in the next game. I mean, they're they're at home. They've got some momentum. They're aggressive. You put him in. They bump him. They make him work hard. You save him until you go home. Even if you go to, go to a tie two two. Well, I mean, he he will probably get limited minutes when he comes in, right? And I think just the fresh of breath air that he gives to the players on the court kind of helps the momentum of the Jazz stay a little bit more consistent, which I like. And he definitely helps other players when he's in just with his 
overall ability to open up the space. But at the end of the day, it's, it is Mitchell's series and it comes down to Mitchell playing his level of basketball. And so that's the key point on how that will affect Mitchell and, and, and kind of his impact on others. Um, I just got a notification about Paul George in his press conference after the game. They were kind of asking about Ingles, who's been having a great series or great game last this night. And he said, Paul George was asked the question about his relationship with Joe Ingles. And Paul George quickly cut off the question and said, I don't care about him next question. <laughs> so it looks like there's some going back and forth. Obviously we know that quietly or maybe not so quietly anymore, but Joe Ingles might be one of the greatest trash talkers in the league. And he is definitely maybe getting to Paul George, even though Paul George had a great night tonight. Yeah, that that's, that's just a fun back and forth there. I mean, let, let's, let's see what Paul George does in game four. That's how I feel about this. We know Kawhi will do his job. Can Paul George do his job in the next game? And if he so, does, he'll make it an interesting series. I will. If you have a comment, about, I, I just want to go to another Clipper player. So do you have another comment on Paul George? Not on Paul George. My, my, my next, my next take was going to be this. There is a guy who is beating the jazz. And that's yeah, Reggie, Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson. I mean, <laughs> this guy is averaged 10 a game during the regular season and just seen, you know, he had 17 tonight, but he is making baskets that are timely. Like the jazz go on a run early in the game. Jackson is a three. They kind of still goose the store score a little bit. Jackson, it's another three. He's hitting timely baskets and he's just hustling all over the place. And somehow we, you, the hard part is, is O'Neal's got to go guard every good player. Um, and, and if it's Donovan or somebody who is on him has to really guard Jackson for the rest of the series, or that's going to be a, it's going to be a long series. Yeah. I was going to say, is it worth moving players around to kind of focus on Jackson? I mean, you obviously need to at least put a hand up in his face when he's going up to shoot, but I don't know if you really want to try to roll a dice and move players around when you have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the court as well. I just think it's this whole Clippers team. I don't know how they're under the cap. It just, they're not, I don't, I don't know how their salaries aren't 200 million a year. It, I mean, you go out and you get Rondo and you don't play him. It's just, and, and, and all of a sudden I don't, I really don't think Reggie Jackson had that great of a season when we played them the three times we played them this year, he played every game and it was, uh, so it's Reggie. It's so, so. This guy is playing way above his level in the last series. And well, he's good. Let me just rephrase. He's good. But how in the world do the Clippers stay fifth in salary? It, there's, there's, it's just crazy that they have these types of guys on their team. And again, I will say this. There is no Serge Ibaka. Can you imagine if this team had Serge Ibaka? It, it's for us to be up 2-1, we better relish this moment and then put these guys away because, man, they're good. Yeah, I was going to ask you, just wrapping up the game, unless you guys have any more thoughts, if you had to pick just one word, would game four, Sam, I'll go to you first, Jazz or Clippers this next game, and then Dad, I'll go to you next. Um, I'm going to have to go with the Jazz. I think that Quinn Snyder will do an excellent job of of getting the group together and, and scouting it out and creating a better game plan for, to, uh, for the next game, and I think the Jazz will take them. And I do think whoever loses next on their home floor will lose the series. I think my answer is what Sam just said. I'm going to take the Clippers because I think that this is a home win series and the Jazz have home court advantage. So 
I, I, I think the Clippers went on their home. I do think the crowd in Salt Lake City and at Vivint Arena is a big boost mm-hmm. to the Utah Jazz. So I guess we can go back. Uh, no other NBA games today, but we can go back 24 hours and chat as we finish up this last segment on what took place in the other games yesterday. And, and it's particularly one series that is looking pretty bleak right now for the opposing team. And that would be the uh, Phoenix Suns and the, um, the Denver Nuggets. So first of all, just really quickly, uh, the Suns are up 3-0. Uh, I think I heard that no team's ever come back from down 3-0. So Denver on their heels, even with the MVP and Jokic. Uh, and and the, the, the Suns look every bit as good as their 51 wins this season. Is this the genius of Chris Paul then? Is this what? I'm sorry. The genius of Chris Paul. Is he just coming out and putting him away? Uh, I think so. I think so. We, I, I think he reads the game well. He's, he now health-wise is back to his, his foul line extended jumper, which is like deadly. He, uh, he, the, the game flows very well for him. He doesn't panic. And Booker is just flying all over the court. The guy's just running and dribbling and shooting and cutting and passing. And when you've got a point guard who is a Hall of Famer and one of the best of all time running the show, every other player can go do whatever they want. He'll just find you and, and, and you know, they, they can win. So they yes. really have put it to the, to the Nuggets. They play tomorrow at 6 o'clock, so that I, I think the Nuggets might be able to snatch a win there unless, unless it's too late. But, yeah, and I think that uh, really quickly, I think Chris Paul does just as much off the court as he done, does on the court. If you watch him off the court, he's constantly hyping up his teammates and helping those around him to to understand plays better and understand how to play defense. And I think that his his experience in the league uh, has really helped the team, and he's done a great job of hyping them up and energizing them to win games. Yeah, yeah great. Great point. I mean, the maturity of Chris Paul, um, what he means to that team in the locker room with the, the, the spirit he's brought to that team. Um, just, just really incredible. So I'm going to say that they close him out. I think that, that they ripped out Denver's heart. And I think that Paul off the court, Sam, like you're saying, is going to say, let's not even let him get a, a moment. Let's just close this out. They know, or they're watching now that this, LA Jazz series could go long and they want some rest, I think. And I think they'll, they'll roll into Denver tomorrow and just, just take that away. The other game um, last night, the Sixers went up two one on the Hawks. Uh, Talk about a guy who's gutting it out, who I believe is injured, who is just playing really well. That's Joel Embiid. You got to give it to the guy. I'm not a huge fan only because he just beats the Jazz but this guy's the real deal, and he's a mountain and a load to take care of. But he's playing with a meniscus tear and uh, just gutting it out. So he led their team to a 127-111 victory over the Hawks. Um, any thoughts on that series? Do, does, does the, do the Sixers now start to rally and close that one out up 2-1, or do the Hawks try to even this out on their home floor? What do you think, Sam? Yeah, I think – I think uh, I think the Sixers take care of business, and I think they win it four-one. I think the first game was kind of a wake-up call for the Sixers, um, and I think that they can easily take care of business in Atlanta. That's my thought. I thought if you look at the numbers, if you look at the numbers, it was a fluke game for the Hawks to play that well in the first game. I don't know if they can do it again. And 
I don't think – I think the Sixers want to get a win before they have to jump right into playing the Nets. Well, probably the Nets. And so they're going to try to close this one out probably tomorrow. Yeah, or Not tomorrow, but – yeah, I think they play on Monday. The, the other game tomorrow is uh, Nets-Bucks. Um, again, wacky game the other night, as we yeah. talked about on our last podcast, and that was an 86-83 win by the Bucks to the awful, atrocious shooting, but an exciting game down the stretch. I wonder if that gave the Bucks lives, but it was the first time, this stat blew my mind, it was the first time that... Kevin Durant had shot under 40% in a playoff game oh. over the last five years or so. That guy's just unreal how good he is and how well he can shoot and how he can get a bucket. I, it'll be interesting. I wonder if that we're going to really see if the Nets have a killer instinct to put the Bucks down 3-1 or do the Bucks now come back and even the series at 2-2. Um, it'll be really interesting. I think the Nets actually do go up 3-1, but it'll be a, a, a great game. Fun James fact. Harden is also out for that. Oh, he is? He's out for game four, yes. Uh, hmm. Sim- similar, fact, injury, similar injury as, uh, as, as Mike, uh, Mike Conley. Conley. Yeah. yeah. So it takes Usain Bolt to run a shorter 100-yard dash than it does for Giannis to shoot a free throw. Yeah, true. Let that, let he's he's been in. called for that a couple times, yeah. Yeah. Well, Another violation. And he's not very good at it. So he's yeah. thinking it's, he's, it's in his head, you know? So uh... another quick fun fact, maybe not. So, I mean, it's pretty cool actually. If any team, in the West wins the finals, it'll be the first franchise NBA finals for that team. Yep. So every that's, single that's Western right. team right now hasn't won a championship. Yeah. The last yeah, team, team out of the final eight teams, the last time one of those teams won was 1983. The, the Nets made it in 2003, but didn't win. Um, and I, I was so, at yeah. that game. They were in. They were there in 2002 and 2003. I was yeah, at the Clippers finals, where the Lakers right. beat the Nets. Yeah, and the Clippers have never been to a conference final. Yeah, and um, I, I guess we'd be a little bit remiss if we didn't mention the fact that Stephen A. Smith said that Donovan Mitchell is the greatest jazz player of all time. Any quick thoughts on that? He is not the greatest jazz player of all time. There's just, you, you can't say that until you're a few more years into this. Is he the most, and Doris Burke said the same thing tonight on the ESPN broadcast. Is he the most athletic and gifted? I'll go there. But I think you look at what Stockton and Malone did. Stockton has two records that will never be broken. And you guys know that I rarely say always and never. They will never be broken. I don't know if I see... Donovan Mitchell creating a record that will never be broken. And Carl Malone scored the third most points in NBA history at time and place where the three-point shot was not what it is today. I just don't see how you could say he's the greatest jazz player. I, I will say this, he's probably the most athletic and time will tell. I will also say this to even mention Donovan Mitchell's name in the same sentence of John Stockton and Carl Malone, that is saying a lot. That is saying a lot. Yeah, he could get an NBA championship, though, which never happened for Carmelo or John Stockton. So how much time do we have left in this podcast? Because now you're going down a path. <laughs> I was just, yeah, I was kind of, the right I was kind way of throwing that out there. But 
I mean, yeah, and, and Donovan Mitchell didn't play when Michael Jordan played. So, I mean, <laughs> how, 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 what else do you want to debate here? I know I'm on your side though. I think, I think Mitchell definitely needs some time to, and even if he does have all the time in the world, he may not ever get the stats that were left behind by these two greats, but it's a different era. It's a different ball game. It's a different player. So it's just fun to watch. And I'm glad that he's on our team and he's, and he's definitely taking control of the series. I'm excited to see how he responds to this, to this loss tonight. The, the things that Donovan are doing and the stats that are coming in the playoffs are rarefied air, right? I mean, I think I heard a stat tonight that he's the only player to make, I don't know, five or six threes in a, in four or five postseason games. And the only other two are Clay Thompson and, and Steph Curry. Well, that's incredible. That, mm-hmm. that, that's something that John Stockton Carmelo would never have done. So yes, he's, but my point is, I love that. This guy's being mentioned in the same sentence as two of the greatest players to ever walk a basketball court. So you got to feel good about that. And time will tell if he is the greatest jazz player ever. My hope is, is that he is. And my hope is that he gets an NBA championship because that will make all jazz fans happy. Jordan Clarkson is the greatest basketball player of all time. (laughs) (laughs) He's definitely the most fresh. Let me tell you what I loved about Clarkson and, and what I've seen. And I don't know if it will hold. Watch, he'll get into a complete tirade. The guy gets bumped or somebody tries to nudge him or yeah. somebody does something he doesn't like. And he's like, pats him on the butt. It's yeah, like yeah. crazy how this it's guy does crazy. not get, does not get, you know, rustled or whatever you want to call it because, and he's just fresh and just smooth and just having fun. He's just having fun. And he, and he knows when he makes a mistake. I mean, tonight he double dribbled and it, it you know, he knows he makes it, but Keep shooting. I don't care if he goes two for 20. Keep shooting because at some point he's going to hit a three that's going to win us a game. Very true. Well, we're running out of time. I don't know if you guys have any, any other thoughts. Uh, let's have Sam have the last word on his first podcast. Yeah, I think as far as the Jazz, I just think that Conley will be back. I do believe he'll be back this next game, if not the game after. And I think that the Jazz will go on to win in six games. Um, yeah, I don't see the Jazz losing this series. I think that they're the better the better team they're more they have more depth um and i think that quinn is the better coach and so i think that quinn will lead the utah jazz to winning this series in six games possibly five i, I wouldn't be surprised if the jazz don't lose another game in this series but i think that the jazz versus Suns in the next series would be a great series and i do think that will happen well you heard it here thank All you right. both have Thanks, a guys. good night see you guys later have a good, good night guys. Bye. thank you